I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. And this episode is the Week in Review, where we talk about what we have been watching since the last Week in Review episode. This time, it is going to be all TV shows. We have several TV shows to catch you up on, or that we have been catching up on, I should say, to share with you our thoughts. And uh, so, let's dive into it. We got some from me, some from both of us, and first of all, from Shanna. Shanna, you have a couple TV shows to talk about. Yeah, so the first show that I'm going to talk about, and I have several, as we know from previous episodes, I've been tackling a few shows at once, depending on my mood and time of the day, I'll watch, you know, X show, according to those uh, factors. I watched Witches of East End, and then I realized that it was possible that I had seen it before, and then I had my accidents and just completely forgot about them. Oh, Because it started looking really familiar. Uh, This show is about two sisters. One is a bartender, one's a a scholarly librarian. And they discover that as adults, they're witches. And their mom and aunt are all witches. And it becomes this sort of, let's discover ourselves. Let's discover Mm. the power that we have. Do I want these powers? Don't I want these powers? Is this too much? Is this too little? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the reason... I like it is because there's they live over and over again. So they die, the sisters die, mm-hmm. and then they come back mm-hmm. almost in a, you know immediately, and they go through the whole process. So this mother has so, like, to raise get, them over and over again. So they get right back up, or they're reborn, or how does that work? They're birthed. So the mother births them over and over again. So. How old is the mom then? How long has she been living? Well, I think before Salem witchy time. So what is that? Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Here's what I don't like about it. There is so much melodrama and I wasn't understanding why this was the case until I realized, oh, it's a, a life channel. You mean Lifetime? Lifetime, yeah. At least in the beginning. I love the actresses. So you got Julia Ormond... Jenna Duan, Rachel Boston, who I've seen a few times, and then we've got Madkin Amuk, and, you know, Eric Winter is, oh, what is he from again? He's from one of the other shows. I have no idea. Smallville or something, although you'd remember if it was. Uh, it's been from a l- Days of Our Lives. No, that's not, so that's not something that's I That's what I go. remember him from. Oh, okay. Anyway, so, you know... You get through the first season, and the last episode is pretty disappointing. And then you start season two, and the first episode is pretty disappointing. And then I stopped. So I was like, oh, we're going to head in this direction. Mm. I don't feel like doing a soap opera show. I mm. feel like I feel like having a, a show that's concise, you know? Mm. So unfortunately, I cannot recommend it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Even though there's reasons why you like it. I love the actresses. Mm-hmm. I will go and find other stuff that they're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, the story, everything that they work on in season one mm-hmm. kind of falls apart in season two within mm-hmm. the first two episodes. And I think I got as far as four episodes and I decided, okay, no, we're done. Mm. <clears throat> How many seasons are there of that show? 
I believe there are two seasons. Okay. 23 episodes. Oh, okay. So two, 23 episodes split into two seasons. Okay. So that's not very many uh, at all if anyone is interested. Yeah. It ended in 2014. Oh, wow. That's so a while back. It's quite, it's quite old. Okay. So not a recommendation from you. No, I don't. I don't think I could recommend this. I mean, if you want, if you feel like falling into the soap opera pattern, mm-hmm. go for it. I you see. know, if you feel like you need that, go for it. Gotcha. All right. What else you got? The next one is Reservation Dogs. This also has two seasons. Very concise. <laughs> very high quality show. This is a comedy series about four Native American teenagers growing up on a reservation in eastern Oklahoma. But I also that's the description on IMDb and I also feel like it's a show that's dealing with teen suicide. It's established within the the first episode that Uh a member of their friends group committed suicide and they're trying to deal with that mm. and what's great about this show is it's weaving in all these different elements and always staying anchored by how are we dealing with the loss of our friend oh. how does that affect us how does that affect our community it is a very funny show it has wonderfully wonderful little segments where they are showing the the ancestors that are there with them as they need guidance. The dialogue is beautiful and hilarious, and I, I can't say enough good things about this. Uh, I think that everybody should check out the show. It's available on Hulu. It stars Devere Jacobs, Defaro Wunatai, Lane Factor, Paulina Alexis, Elva Gira. Sarah Podemski, who is the mom of one of the main characters, and she is just trying to <laughs> trying to find a man, and mm. her her um, you know her attempts at trying to find a partner is very relatable in this time that we're in. <laughs> it's very difficult to find someone, and then you find out oh, that's not the person that I thought they were. Mm. Uh, but it's revealed in a very comical manner, and. Uh, you know, we follow each character, we follow the core, but then every now and again, there's an episode where we follow just one character's perspective. And that's how we get to really dig in with how are we dealing with loss Mm. and being a teenager. And then in season two, there's an episode that I, that I really love that focuses on the mom's perspective. They go to conference. So it's all her friends, all her coworkers, they go to conference. What do you mean by conference? They go to a conference? They go to a conference. Oh, okay. And so it's this trip away from home Mm. uh, where we get to see them (laughs) trying to figure out their friendships. Mm. So we've got the friendships that we're focused on with the teenagers, but then we get this this episode where we get to see, well, how are adults dealing with that? Mm. Same sort of thing. Mm. So I highly recommend this show. It's directed by Sterling Harjo, and uh, it's also with... Taika Waititi jumps in there as well, I think, as executive producer. Oh, okay, yeah. Black Horse Low, Tazbeth Chavez, Sydney Freeland. I think that all these people need to be explored and check out all their work. Yeah. Anyway, I've gone off enough about this show. I'm so sorry, but it's brilliant. Go check it out. Awesome. And what's the last show you wanted to talk about? And my last one is another show from Hulu. Hulu just seems to be knocking it out of the park, although I am spending a lot of time there. Is is all these shows? So Reservation on Hulu? Dogs is uh, Hulu, 
and then the other one which is of East End, is on Hulu as well. Okay. I, but that wasn't theirs. <laughs> Reservation Dogs is theirs. Is the original. And well, then... Well, wait, isn't um, Reservation Dogs from FX on Hulu? Oh. Or am I wrong about that? I mean, yeah, I just... Uh, it's it's There's so many things that's on Hulu. Some of it's on FX. Some of it's original. Oh, you're right. It's FX. Okay. On Hulu. Okay. Uh, my mistake. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, still, regardless, you know, all the things on FX go to Hulu at some point yeah let's talk about the next one the next one is reasonable doubt now this one is what do you call it when it's not all dumped <laughs> it's live oh so it's it's on actually a cable network or it's on a network and they shift it to hulu as they air yes yeah okay yeah this is reasonable doubt it's on hulu it's about a lawyer who struggles to balance family, friends, and um, a complicated personal life, as they describe here on IMDb. It's happening in LA, and we're following one particular case, but then we're also weaving together what what else is happening in her life, how is she dealing with relationships with friends, significant others, and she's also dealing with a traumatic past, mm. and it's interesting to see how that all comes together. Uh, I think I'm on episode six, maybe, and I do like where we're going. There's a little bit of back and forth with relationships, but it seems realistic. It's not like Lifetime, mm. you know, where it's like over and over again. Uh, it's got a reasonable, a reasonable amount of back and forth. Okay, um, and so I'm enjoying that wonderful cast, very well written. Anybody um, we know that's in it? Who's the main star, first of all? Our main star, who plays Jack Stewart, the main character, is Imatsi Coronildi. Oh, wow. Let me okay. see if I can get that right. Let me see. Oh, she's from Coronildi. Okay. Yeah, Coronildi. I've and never then, heard of her. Okay, well, she's fantastic to watch. We've got McKinley Freeman, Tim Joe is a side character. Uh, Angela Grovey is great. But then someone who I recognize is Michael Ely. And, oh, okay. Yeah, I recognize Michael that Ely's name. from a lot of different things. He's from Too Fast, Too Furious, and I'm trying to figure out what I know him from. Oh, yeah, Almost Human is what I know him from. What's Almost Human? Kind of like a sci-fi... What's the world going to look like kind of thing. Uh, the Good Wife. Okay. Flash Forward. I never saw Flash Forward. So that forward. might that be what I'm though. thinking of. Okay. Last of the season. So really great. And then Ramla Muhammad is uh, credited all the time. But then we've also got Kerry Washington is somehow. Yeah. So she directed an episode. I think this is a great show if you're into shows about law. You legal know, the, dramas. Yeah, legal dramas. This is a really good one because although we have that sort of anchor in the show, it's also about, well, what about the whole person? Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you had, uh, let's recra- recap. You had Witches of East End. Don't recommend. What do you rate that out of 10? Oh, probably a four. Okay. Yeah. Reservation Dogs. I rate that probably a nine. And really Reasonable solid. Doubt. Reasonable Doubt. I'm still finishing it, so we'll see if they stick the landing. I would say right now it's at a 7. Okay, so Reservation Dogs, definitely the standout for you. Absolutely. Check it out. All right, so that's everything for your week in review? Yeah, that's me. And I- you've had a career change, so you've had some more time to enjoy things by yourself. So what have you been up to? 
Because well, I don't even I, know. I've been able to check out a couple things. I've been trying for a while. I've been trying to watch a couple episodes of Amazon Prime's A League of Their Own mm-hmm. series. It took a while for me to be able to watch enough episodes to be able to talk about it on here just because of life and stuff. But A League of Their Own is based on the 1992 Penny Marshall movie. It's a series about the World War II All-American Professional Women's Baseball League. It was created by Will Graham and Abby Jacobson. Abby Jacobson is best known for... Oh, what was that show... That she had with, um, with what's her name? Broad City. Broad City, which is not a show I've ever seen. I don't even know where I find that show. But that was uh, one that got a lot of critical praise for a while. So she co-created uh, this adaptation. It does star her as well as Shantae Adams, Darcy Carden from The Good Place. Mm. Roberta Colindrez, Kelly McCormack, and several others. Dale Dickey is one of the only other recognizable faces that you'll see in this. And there's also someone else. Nick Offerman appears for a couple episodes. This show is only eight episodes long. They're hour-long episodes, uh, though. And, you know, the, the thing is, I'm a huge, like... A League of Their Own, the movie, is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've talked about it a handful of times throughout the 150 episodes of the podcast. And so I actually was very unsure about this show going into it. Because I was, I guess I was worried, first of all, does the did the movie need to be turned into a TV show? Second of all, like I was worried about how they would tackle the subject matter and how time appropriate they would be, how period appropriate they would be with some of the attitudes and stuff of the time. And so and also like would it be fun? I will say that this show is not bad Mm -hmm. it's good it does lack the fun of the film i don't think the chemistry is quite as as snappy or or as uh, it doesn't quite have the charm Mm -hmm. of the chemistry of the cast in the first film it's less of a laugh out loud hilarious comedy Mm mm-hmm it doesn't doesn't focus on the comedy beats as much. It is more of a, a little more of a drama, and it looks at tries looking at it from a, a situation of like the, one of the main characters is is a black woman. Now, the thing is, black women were not allowed in the All American Professional Women's Baseball League back then. There was a separate league called the Negro League at that time, okay? And so it does address that with this character. And I'm kind of glad that they took it the way I've seen them take it so far. I I think I've watched like five episodes out of the eight. Oh, wow. I don't think I've finished it. I think I've seen just five episodes. And I was really worried that they were just going to be like, oh, well, fuck it. You know, let her join the team or whatever. 
which would never have happened back then. And I don't think that that's the direction that they've been going with it. And so that's that, that that's good to see that they're being true to the period and accurate, but also like they're giving you a character for you to try to to care about that's going through this experience of, hey, I'm talented. My gender doesn't have anything to do with how good I can play baseball. I'm a, I'm a damn good baseball player. And I just need a chance, you know, and, it, and it, it goes through her journey of trying to get that chance and what happens when she gets an opportunity to be able to prove herself just as good as the men. Right. And remember, of course, back then in the 1940s, like women were not considered as good as men about most things. Right. Like even in the workforce, like. You know, women had to take over from men in a lot of uh, positions. And they do talk about that through this character as well, as there is a factory involved and such. But there's also a primary character played by Abby Jacobson. She's almost kind of sort of like the Gina Davis character in the original film, minus the sibling. There's no sibling okay. characters at all. There's, there's some characters in the in the show that kind of have like parallels to certain characters you see in the movie like Darcy Carden plays a character kind of like the Madonna character in the film and then there's uh she has a pal oh gosh who is that I think it's Melanie Field plays someone who's kind of like the Rosie O'Donnell character mm-hmm. in the movie you mm-hmm. know and they're really kind of tight buds, yeah. you know, but it also explores sexuality in the show. And, you know, I don't know that there's a question of like, OK, like, are they really playing into the stereotype of if women do things that are masculine? Does that mean that they have to have been gay, too? Um, because that's an old stereotype. If you if you um, sure. play yeah. baseball or whatever, then you're butch and you must be gay or whatever. And it kind of, in a way, plays into that in a sense because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of homosexuality in the show, you know, which kind of concerns me. I think that it's an attempt to be inclusive by adding like you know women that were gay that were in there but i it almost kind of falls into this trap of also saying that well like because these women play baseball like several of them had to have been gay and i'm kind of like um uncomfortable with that aspect of the show and so that's why i that's one of the reasons why i don't totally love it that and it's just not as fun as the original movie was, but it's not a bad show. I give the show a seven out of 10 myself. I think what hearing you talk about this makes me really want to research. What was that about? What was it like back then? And, you know, were there people that were out and did they feel like they could be openly gay? Um, well, that's the thing, because like I they couldn't, right? Well, I don't know, because I'm not gay, so and I don't know right. the history well enough to be able to comment on it. So what the, hearing you talk about it does make me want to go back and, and research. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, the, the show does address how like any homosexual activity definitely had to be hidden, and they had to be careful 
about that sort of stuff. So it makes it clear that like, and, and like if you were homosexual, if you were even bi or whatever, you had to still as a woman put up this facade that you were interested in men and even like if you go into a different town, like make sure you grab the first arm candy you can to as a as a form of protection for yourself. You know, there's aspects, little nuances like that that's kind of interesting. So it does okay. suggest like it would be hard to research how many what percentage of the players were actually probably gay because they had to hide it, you know? I mean, I don't necessarily mean specifically for the players, but I do mean, okay, well what was what did being gay look like back then? Mm. And what did it require to be safe? It did it definitely mm. goes into that for Due you. Due to the intolerance. Yeah. Um, so that's a league of their own. Cool. What's the next one that you have for us? What is the next one I have for us? That's a good question. The next one I watched. Oh, okay. So there's a show that I have been meaning to watch ever since it first aired. And I've always backburnered it. And I finally had an opportunity with some time and I was reminded it's been sitting on my HBO Max queue for a couple years now and so I finally checked out The New Adventures of Old Christine. It was a CBS show that lasted like for four or five seasons. I remember it got really good reviews. It was Julia Louis-Dreyfus breaking the Seinfeld curse, having a successful uh-huh. show. And I, I, I'm i a fan of Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I think she's fantastic. And so I really wanted to check this out. And so I eventually, finally, years later, apparently like over a decade later, I didn't realize, <laughs> finally <laughs> checked it out. And they're from 2006 to 2010. It is created by Kari Leiser. It is basically about Julia Louis-Dreyfus plays Christine. She's recently divorced from her husband. Or not recently. It's been, I think, some time. Divorced from her husband, played by Clark Gregg, a pre-MCU Clark Gregg, pre-Agent Coulson Clark Gregg, showing off his comedic chops here. Well, oh. now she's part of the Marvel Universe. So right, it's kind that's of true. Funny. That's true. It's kind of interesting for to the go same, see them. Yeah, for a version <laughs> of the same agency. That's fascinating. Anyway, so uh, Hamish Linklater, it plays her. Her Christine's brother, they live together with uh, Christine's son, who's like this like grade school muppet played by okay. Trevor Gagnon. <laughs> and so she's like, she oh gosh, she owns a gym, she's juggling that, juggling being a mom, juggling co-create co co-creator, co-parenting duties, and also like trying trying to get back out there, you know? And the title comes from, like, her being old Christine because there is a new Christine Mm -hmm. that her ex-husband is dating. Mm -hmm. It turns out he's dating another woman named Christine. She's played by Emily Rutherford. And it's, it's, you know, that's basically the premise of the show. So... I have to say I was, I was not in love with this show. Oh, okay. I I was kind of, I was very disappointed. I watched you know I always try to give a show four episodes before yes. I pass judgment on it because sometimes the pilot can be rough. It could take a little bit of time for a show to get its footing. Whatever it is, right? And I I don't know. I just I think largely I'm not a fan of CBS sitcoms. Oh, More okay. often than not, 
I mean, there's, there might be an exception here or there. I don't know. But I was I was in love with Everybody Loves Raymond, which was mm. a huge mm-hmm. tentpole of CBS for what is that a decade or whatever, and and I, they've had several others. And I don't know. It's just it, I don't think the writing's that sharp. I don't think it's that great. Maybe it just plays it plays differently now than that back then. Maybe it had some sort of feeling of freshness at the time, but I, I think it's very mediocre and and very disappointing. And I think that it was a good thing that Julia landed Veep a couple years after mm. this this ended. You well, know, Veep is fantastic. Because yeah. yes, that is a much sharper uh, script and just way funnier. Uh, show then yeah. new new adventures of old christine okay. so that's that show from 2006 i think you, yeah you can find it on hbo max and then on hulu i checked out a show also on hulu shanna oh you did i don't know if you what seen did you grab this advertised but i'm a fan of crazy ex-girlfriend i haven't finished the show yet but i mm. i do love that rachel bloom i follow on instagram she's been advertising her new show reboot since before it came out so it came up and i had time and i was like oh check it out it is created by steven levitan not rachel bloom but it does star rachel bloom oh. it also stars keegan michael key johnny knoxville uh, Judy Greer and Paul Reiser. Okay. Paul Reiser, Shanna, of Mad About You and Aliens and more recently, Stranger Things. Okay. So it's basically about. Well, I like that Keegan's in there. I'm yeah. like, I'm interested. Yes. So it kind of <laughs> plays on, like, it says an early 2000s family sitcom. But I think, like, it feels more like it's something like, um, what was that called? Step by Step? Oh, I re- yeah, I remember it, we visited that uh, recently. Yeah, so it feels like what this is, is the cast of a show like Step by Step. Okay. Tr- reuniting for a, like, a reboot, an actual reboot of that show, right? Oh. Same cast, like... Um, almost like a continuation of that show, but they want um, to creatively go in different areas, right? Whereas the original was mm-hmm. restrained by broad comedy and you know, kind of being safe and and kind of an escapist sort of thing. Okay. Rachel Bloom plays a writer who want, who pitches the idea of bringing that cast back, rebooting it, and and diving into more interesting territory with the characters. Okay. Oh, it's got Fred Melamond. Yes, he eventually pops in. There is, I, I will say, That's first of all. the dad from Wolf of Wall Street. I love that guy. Oh, I did not remember him in that. So sure. the first episode's a little rough. From the second episode on. Apparently I was wrong. <laughs> Go for it. From the second episode on, Reboot gets better. And I actually really like this show. It's It's really smart. It's really funny. It has the, there's a couple surprises that I will not spoil. One of which is revealed at the very end of the first episode. And I think everyone in it is, is pretty great. Judy Greer plays a very, uh, what's the word? Not vain, but she's really into her, worried about herself and into herself, you know? 
Self-absorbed. Thank you. Self-absorbed, yeah. a little very insecure <laughs> because she's now middle-aged. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of like constantly worried about the the issues that middle-aged women run into you know mm-hmm. and is she is there going to be someone sexier than her cast in the show and all that sort of stuff and then also her and keegan michael key's characters had a, a history uh in the in, you know when the first show was on um but now like Keegan-Michael Key's character is actually in a committed relationship with Eliza Coop. Eliza Coop I love from Happy Endings. I haven't seen enough of her, so it's nice to see her pop up occasionally in this show. Anyway. Yeah, it looks like a really good cast. Even the people that don't, you know, are further down the line there. Yes. You've got someone from Scandal and... Uh, oh, I didn't know My that. mistake, Melamed, is I'm thinking of the dad from Shiva Baby. Yes. So that's the dad that I was yes. thinking of. Yes, and okay. he's also, he's been in a he's lot He's in a lot, things. yeah. yeah. He, he's a, he's he, very busy. Uh, he's great. I love him. So, and I think that we're, we are experiencing a Renaissance right now, Shanna, <laughs> because, like, Paul Reiser, man, he's coming back. He did a short-lived uh, Man About You reunion, which, um, you know, means he can personally relate to to this show's content. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been on Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Oh, before all that, he was in Whiplash mm-hmm. a few mm-hmm. years ago. Now this, it's, uh, yeah. So uh, it's really great to see him back on a regular basis. I do like him. And I do like the show. I highly recommend it. That's Reboot on Hulu. Get past the first episode and you're in for a good ride. Lastly, I have one movie, one movie that's oh, okay. not from this year that I did catch up with. It's been sitting on our shelf for quite some time, and I was like, oh, the hell with it. So I watched it. It's called Come On, Come On. It is by director Mike Mills. came out last year. stars Joaquin Phoenix, Gabby Hoffman, and a child actor named Woody Norman. It is about uh, Joaquin Phoenix. He's like... A radio journalist of sorts, you know, the kind that you would hear on NPR or what have you, you okay. know, those kinds of that, that tone like of Terry Gross, not, not quite someone who goes out and like, um, all things considered type oh, okay, thing, right? One. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> he, he goes out and likes to meet people and interview people and, and get perspectives from people, right? The regular people. <clears throat> He is asked to look after his nephew by his sister, and he it's basically about him, like, spending time with his nephew. And it's interesting because, like, the premise almost feels like that broad, mismatched, middle-aged man and child. What is he going to do with this child? And he knows nothing, about, you know, he knows nothing about children. Now. What is he going to do with this kid? Kind of an about-a-boy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's not that at all. It's more of a hang. It's a little bit of a hangout movie. It's Mike Mills. You know, if you're familiar with him and his work, you'll you'll kind of understand that it's going to be a different tone completely. If, if Mike Mills, he did the film with Ewan McGregor and um, Melanie Laurent and Christopher Plummer, Beginners. It was called Beginners, and he did another movie that we watched. A couple years back. Did he do 20th Century Women? I think he did 20th Century Women. I think that was based on his mom. Yes, 20th Century Women. And he did a film I haven't seen called Thumbsucker. That might have been his debut. 
So, you, you, knowing those two films, those, mm, those films, okay. you know the kind of a tone he's going to have. All it's right. shot in black and white. I'll look up who oh. the cinematographer is. That was I'll one, have to check that out. That was one of the only reasons why I thought, Shanna, you might be interested in the movie. But did we all. just run out of time? It was one of those things where it's just like, I'm just going to take care of this thing. Because <laughs> it has been sitting around for like three months, okay. you know. And the cinematography that happens in our house. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Yeah. Cinematography is by Robbie Ryan, not a cinematographer I'm familiar with, but he's he did work for American Honey and The Favorite. And uh, here, this is you know, this is the only black and white work I see of his that he's done. And it, it, you know, it works. It works. I'm not sure creatively where that decision comes from necessarily mm-hmm. maybe i don't know it there's a lot i have no idea but the movie's fine it's not my favorite mike mills movie mm-hmm. it's probably the lesser of the three i have seen it, it's, it's it does have kind of a hangout sort of feel it's not like there's huge character arcs there's there's issues with you know the child has with his his separated parents or his dad has some mental health problems and he doesn't fully understand what's going on there and you know so and he doesn't necessarily understand what his mom's doing because his mom's actually trying to help um his dad uh, which is why the child is hanging out with his uncle while this is going on Hmm. It, it's fine. I give it a six out of ten. Oh, okay. It's it's right. you know. Uh, so yeah. So that's that's come on, come on. My shows, a league of their own. I give a seven out of ten. New Adventures of Old Christine. I give a five out of ten. Reboot. I give an eight out of ten. You just have to stick with it. It's really good. And come on, come on. I give a six out of ten. So that's my week in review. You had more shows than me. Indeed. Isn't that fun? Now. Our week in review has a big one. It is Arrowverse season uh, six. Okay, yeah. now at, at, I say season six because essentially the first season was the first season of Arrow, and it's ex- expanded almost season by season with new shows being added. At this point, we have the Arrow, the Flash. The Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, and this was the season that added Black Lightning. Mm. All right, so Shanna, oh, yeah. we'll talk about like each show briefly, what we thought of the seasons for each show, and then like overall how how we thought felt about season six of the Arrowverse. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so Arrow obviously is the first one. And in this season, it starts out, it, it's, a, it's one of those seasons that really took a different direction halfway through. Uh, I'm bringing up the episode guide here. It started out as though it was going to be about one mastermind with a bunch of villains uh, aligning with him, leading this whole big thing. And it takes a different direction, right? Do you remember this? I actually don't. You're going to have to remind me. It, it, You know, what we should really be doing is recording how long it takes us to get through an Arrowverse season. It, it does. It takes some time. That's for yeah. sure. Because now this is the season where, like, it turned out 
Oh, God. The Black Canary, the current Black Canary, she had a partner in law enforcement who supposedly died when the arc reactor explosion happened. Mm. Mm. And he came back, right? <clears throat> There's the fallout from the explosion on the island. That happened at the end of season five. Mm-hmm. And all of it essentially is to get to um, problems where, like, you have the team splitting apart, mm-hmm. right? And you have one villain emerge as this guy who's trying to take over the city. That's a guy named Diaz. I can't believe I almost forgot that name. Diaz. <laughs> uh, he is played by Kirk Acevedo. Ricardo Diaz. Now, we know yeah. Kirk Acevedo from a couple of different things. You know him I know from him Mary. from Fringe. You know him from Fringe. Yeah. I know him from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. As the guy who basically blows everything. <laughs> Apparently, he has a history of being also on Oz. I have not seen that show, but if he's on Oz, I'm sure he was not too dissimilar to this uh, character, okay. right? He was a good guy in Fringe. He was a good agent. And so, I don't know. It, it, it basically becomes about trying to take down this guy, Caden. Not Caden James. This guy named Diaz, right? <laughs> Who apparently has, he, he's done a successful job of, just ruining Arrow's life. And also trying to expose Oliver Queen as the Green Arrow, who, who at this point is the mayor of the city. What would you think of this season of Arrow? Oh, man. I mean, by the time we get through it, when we hit like eight episodes left, I think that's when I get really tired, you mm. know? Uh, it is 23 episodes long. It was so long. I wish it was a little... I wish they capped it at 20. I don't think that we need 23 episodes. Mm. I think we could even get away with a solid 18. Mm. What Arrowverse is guilty of is stretching it out too much. Uh, What they get right this season is, okay, well, we had like... We had a nice little twist. Oliver was becoming a dad. Right. And Felicity was a good stepmom. Uh, so that was really nice to see. And then we had the team breaking off, and I thought that that was interesting. I thought, oh, well, maybe they'll not necessarily get their own show, but maybe we could break this up by not always focusing on what Oliver's up to mm-hmm. and focus on, well, what has he, who has he helped, you know? Right. And see how their team is doing. And I thought that could be quite nice, but th- there's not a lot of that, honestly. I cannot stand seeing, what is her name? Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. The original? The the original black. Original. Yes, but now it's the dark canary. Dark canary. I cannot stand seeing her because she she just makes me feel like she belongs on Lifetime Channel. Uh, her the way she her character is written it just always feels like oh i'm going to be the sweet innocent daughter oh now i'm gonna half kill this person you know Uh and i'm just i'm so sick of it i'm Uh so sick i swear to god if they bring her back the following season i'm gonna be pissed so that's how i feel about that at this point i'm i'm just the best part of arrow is felicity 
and mm. her stepson. Mm. And that's where I'm at with that. How about mm. you? Uh, I have to correct myself. Caden James was played by Michael Emerson. He's the he's the guy In that the seems first like half or something. Yes, he's right? the guy that seems like the primary villain of the season. Yeah. Um, and then there's a direction that changes. Uh, I think this is actually one of the better seasons of the show. Usually, I, I run into the same problems with this show as you. If it's not uh, flashback fatigue, it's it's villain fatigue, where mm-hmm. it felt like. All right, on episode fourteen, we could have taken care of the problem, and yeah. and it could have come to a res- resolution. But no, yeah. they stretched it out even further. You know, I, I felt that less with this one, and maybe it helped that they had like a, a kind of head fake with switching up who the actual villain of the season is going to be. Mm. I think it helped breaking up the team. It added some interesting conflicts. The fact that you have the teams fighting each other. Uh, you, you have a lot more, a lot more uh, co- personal conflicts in this episode. I feel like, oh, what's his name? Who plays? Who was the uh, the the police chief? Ugh, I'm forgetting his name right now. I, mm. I'm going blank. Paul Blackthorn, who plays Quentin Lance. Quentin Lance. I feel you know he's he's often in the series. Got this kind of exhausting determination and 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 uh devotion to his daughter and i think in season five he was like really dramatic about laurel lance uh not his not laurel lance but the dark canary and everything in this one i feel like he's a little less exhausting um even though there is a lot with him and this this alternate version canary right Mm -hmm. I actually kind of liked more what was going on mm-hmm. with those two in this one than I have in a couple of the other seasons mm-hmm. with Katie Cassidy. Um, but otherwise, yes, I kind of agree with you normally. Uh, there's a lot going on in this season, but I think it was one of the better ones. I, I you know, I think we sure, are completely yeah. divorced of flashbacks. I think that really helps free up the show, mm. and 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 it's no longer weighted down by that. So I actually liked season six of Arrow a little more than you. But let's talk about the Flash. This one was focused on the villain, the Thinker. Now, the Thinker is probably best known by most people now as being a character in The Suicide Squad by James Gunn. Do you remember him in that movie? Mm-mm. He, yes. Yes. Yeah. Peter, oh. Peter Capaldi played the Thinker. Well, then we have that. <laughs> yes. This is a very different <laughs> very version different. of him. That's he has a different. huge villainous agenda where he's trying to collect all these superhumans and try to absorb their powers to become an ultimate superhuman mm-hmm. himself mm-hmm. and defeat With the a Flash. With a bigger goal and yeah, we don't know what that is until it's, later. It's sort of one of those let the world burn and recreate it kind of things uh, if I recall correctly. I thought that was a spoiler but okay. Is it? I thought it was. Okay, well, if it is mild support, a spoiler, I apologize. Not, you know, okay. I think, like, the whole show is, the whole season is, well, the first half of the season is like, what is he, what is going on? What do these people have to do with each other? What are they trying to do? All that sort of stuff. 
What did you think of this season of The Flash? I felt like this was a villain that made sense, that it was difficult to go up against. Whereas in Arrowverse, if we compare for just a second, just a second, uh-huh. Arrowverse, it doesn't make sense. You should have taken both of them out much sooner than that. In Flash, it makes more sense that they're taking so long to try and figure it out. You're dealing with someone who has a much higher IQ, much bigger game plan than you would expect. I liked where we were going with certain things happening with different characters. We even got some time with the new wife. Iris? Or which wife are you talking about? I'm not talking about Iris. I'm talking about Iris's new stepmom, basically. Oh, <laughs> stepmom-in-law? <laughs> oh, no, yeah, stepmom. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, I yeah. think I got it right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I forget. You know, it's the whole relation, the <laughs> sibling relationship yeah. thing. Uh, I'm trying to find that character, uh, and it's taking me a moment. Well, you know, talk about making a side character interesting. Yes, I I thought that that was very well done. Uh, She's pregnant, and there's there's, these challenges and issues happening there. And I thought that was, they were able to bring her in and take her out as needed for the show. Uh And I enjoyed how they dealt with that. That was great. Not every show does very well with side characters. Mm. Yeah, well, and also this is the season that introduced Elongated Man, Ralph Dibney. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed seeing the effects. They're not too bad. Uh, There's a lot of hilarity that goes with him learning his powers. And I like the introduction of about six different superheroes that we were... Uh, metahumans that right. we we only got to see for short amounts of time, but I Most enjoyed time, seeing yeah. them. Yeah, and that's how I feel about the show. Cecile Horton is the character. Oh, yeah. Danielle Nicolette is uh, plays Cecile, Joe West's new wife. Is uh, who you're talking about? <laughs> I'm well, sorry, but that reminds me of Parenthood with his new wife. Oh, okay. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so you also have Jesse Quick make appearances. You have Danny Trejo make appearances. You have a lot going on with Killer Frost occasionally through the season. You have also Katie Sackhoff make an appearance as a villain through several episodes. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that story? I like seeing Katie Sackhoff. I don't care what she's doing or what she's being. I will watch her. <laughs> um, but I thought that this character was just fine. Just fine, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not as great as Starbuck. It's not as great as in The Mandalorian. But the, it was nice to see her, and I, I thought it served its purpose in the end. Yeah, it looks like she only appears in six episodes in the entire show. Mm-hmm. So we don't and get a lot of her. Playing a, a British character named Amunet Black. She's kind of hamming it up. She has these yeah. abilities to like basically control metal or use metal as a weapon. A particular kind of metal, I think. I guess. Yeah, she always has a bucket with her. <laughs> um, right? A bucket of like metal. It's really funny. I love Katie Sackhoff, but... I felt like that character kind of went nowhere, ultimately. she Basically, where she goes is a point where she is forced to work together with Team Flash. And that's 
pretty much where it ends, based on her IMDb. And I'm kind of disappointed in that. Oh. You know, because... Why? Did you want her there longer, or well, wanted it to be different? I, I want it to have some significance. And I, I felt like, ultimately... It was there wasn't enough significance to. Well, her you're forgetting how we got story. introduced to her. We got introduced to her because of what Killer Frost was up to, so yeah. there was that. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was lacking something for me, yeah. but overall, I think the season's fine. I kind of get tired of the thinker himself. Yeah, yeah. The no, character is irritating. not the best. I think this is the season of The Flash that's kind of purported to be, like, the worst as far as fans are concerned. I don't know if it's the worst season. What do you think is the worst season so far? What was the previous one? Who was that? I I, I got irritated with that season. Even though there were well, great characters in there, I got irritated much Yeah, faster. wasn't that the one with... Um, the blue... Savitar. Yeah. Savitar, yeah. yeah. You, you didn't like Savitar. Oh, I, just, I just got irritated much faster. I don't know why. All right, so let's move on to Legends yeah. of Tomorrow. Now, it's been a while since we watched a Legends episode because that had a much shorter season in season uh, six. A I think great it's... example of you don't need to have 23 episodes. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was season three or four. Are we at three or four of Legends at this point? I'll know at the end here. Season three mm. of Legends, it had a Damian total Dark coming back. Eighteen episodes. That's perfect. Okay. Yeah. Yes, you had Damian Dark coming back. You had a lot of demon kind of supernatural elements yeah, to so this season. That meant that we got to have some visits from oh, what is his name? Hell, yes. Uh uh I wanna say Hellblazer. Uh that's no. the title of his comic. John Constantine. Yeah, it's nice. He's the I like Legends because we get to see characters come and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even get to see the character uh, from the person who's from Prison Break. Who oh, that? Captain Cold. Yes. Yeah, we get to see Captain Cold every now and again, and yes. I enjoy that. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. I like the season. I think might be one of my favorite seasons. I love Damien Dark. And I, yes, I, I think we know. <laughs> I think he's fantastic, and I think he's a perfect fit for this particular aspect of the Arrowverse. Yeah, and, and I, I honestly think Neil McDonough, like he, he's just great in this role as mm-hmm. Damian Dark, and this out this season has some to do with his daughter and, and and some conflict with his daughter. And I really enjoyed that. I, yes. Love, and I'm going to share it because it's probably my favorite scene from the whole season where he has a bit of a breakdown and he's not his normal Damien dark, dark self. He's like, actually, I need some help here. I'm going to talk to, oh, what is his name that played Superman? Oh, Brandon Rouse character. He plays plays the Adam. Yes, Yes, thank you. And he's having this conversation. So Damien Dark is having this sort of mini therapy, quick therapy session with Adam. And it's just so funny because we have never seen him like that. Mm. And Adam's just like, 
I have a lot of hope in humanity. So even Damien Doc, I'm going to have a little hope for him. I'm going to help him out with his situation here. And, you know, he Damien Doc doesn't want to uh, put down his walls. And right. he doesn't want other people to know that he's put down his walls. So he still acts tough, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I just, I love that scene. That was a really good episode, a really good scene. Yeah, so I, I I agree with you. I really liked uh, season what was that season three or four? Must have been three of of yeah. Legends, and then we have season three of Supergirl. Yeah, which has which introduces new characters, uh, named like named uh, Samantha and her daughter Ruby, and there may be something going on with Samantha uh, that leads to a bigger story in season three of Supergirl. What did you think of this season of Supergirl? I enjoyed this one. This was another good example of, hey, this is a good villain. Mm -hmm. It's going to take time to take this villain down because guess what? This villain is just as powerful as Supergirl. And I thought that that was very interesting. Uh, We see... You know, her struggling uh, with relationships, certain relationships. Uh-huh. And we get to see Lena Luthor yes. a little more. And I, I like the direction they were going with her. You and do. I, I'm very worried end, about it. I'm no, very worried about it. I know you are. I know you are. Because I think how we've seen her up to this point has been great. Uh-huh. And we've loved, you know, how she's been. But and her I relationships think, with the cast, mm-hmm. too. But I do think that hopefully, you know, if they're going to go in the direction of her being bad, mm. hopefully they take mm-hmm. their time mm-hmm. just a little bit more with that. Mm. Well, maybe it doesn't even happen. Mm. Who knows? How many seasons of Supergirl are there? Uh, six, I think. Okay. So and anything this is, could this is the halfway point. Anything could happen. Yeah, yeah. I just love her so much, and I love that she's not. Uh, she's been established as being so much wanting to be different from the rest of her family members and yeah. being good and do good. And, and she's very and black and white about I, her principles too. She's for the like, most part, yeah. Don't lie to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I adore her, yeah. and 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 of course, you know, she's she's hot too. But I, I just, I don't want bad things for her you know uh samantha played by adette annabelle loved her i think um i i really loved her i won't say anything more about her but i really liked that actress really liked that character and that's all i'll say about that there was a villain named rain I kind of feel like this sort of started to fall under the trap of the Arrowverse of it getting a little long in the tooth with this character, Rain. Um, but it, it is just this side of fine, as far as I'm concerned. I think I might have liked this season just slightly less than you, but it is kind of cool that it included... Uh, what are they called? Oh, what are they called from the future? something about saturn saturn girl is one of them okay there's brainiac five or whatever it is it is nice to see brainiac oh i can't remember there there they are a comic in dc universe been around for decades and i just the legion legion of superheroes 
right? Um, I like that the Legion got introduced. I think it made it was an interesting way to bring back uh, Monel, and it was actually a better story with Monel than in season two. I was fine with season two, but yes, season three was definitely better. I was like not all that into the whole like relationship and like the 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 drama with his parents and where that went. Oh yeah, that part sucked. Yeah, yeah. that was a big yeah. part of season two, and I feel like this story with uh, Monel is was a lot better. I'm trying to find the actor's name on here, Chris Wood. It's hard to see because his IMDb picture looks nothing like him in Supergirl. Uh, he's got long hair and a mustache. So I liked this season, but it's probably like of these shows, it's probably like second or third favorite. Now you watched The Black Lightning season one. What do you want to share about that? Man, it's been a long time since I've watched it. But Yeah, you I... binged the hell out oh of it. Oh my God. And then I started season two and you were like, could you wait? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really like this show. At times, unfortunately, the audio censoring process for me is a little much because there is a lot of music happening. And I'm glad because they're using black artist music and they're making sure that it's getting in there. And and I totally understand. And I'm really happy for them. And and Uh I think it's great. But (laughs) me with my sensory overload tendencies... uh, it, it is a bit much sometimes. That's the only criticism I really have of it. And that's just a, that's a me thing. The rest of the show, I really enjoy. I love yeah. the issues that they're dealing with. They're dealing with protesting, marching for Black Lives Matter. Could you clarify when that started? Well, that was 2013. And the, the show started out in 2017, okay. which was the first year of Trump's presidency. All right. So there's a lot that they're dealing with, and unfortunately, I can't remember everything, but it is a very busy show. It doesn't hold back on anything. Mm. What I enjoyed about it is that it felt like it was current. It felt like it was speaking to what it was reflecting what was happening in our communities uh, at the time. And that's what superhero shows are supposed to do, in my opinion. They're supposed to reflect what's going on right now. How can we show you and help you become present with that? It stars Cress Williams, Christine Adams, Nefessa Williams, James Remar. And is there any, are there any other cast members you wanted to shout out from the first season? I mean, everyone does a really great job. It's really great performances. I can't criticize anyone for anything at any point mm. during this show. Uh, Marvin Jones is the third is terrifyingly awesome. Yeah. I'm very scared of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do not want to piss him off. He's a great villain. He is the main villain, right? Um, essentially, Tobias yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've got a couple others that come and go, but mm-hmm. he is the, the head honcho there. And, uh, well, we're led to believe that he's the head honcho. Apparently, he's in the entire series, 58 episodes. Oh, good, he's not going anywhere. Great, I'm going to be terrified forever. Do you, How do you feel about that after having watched season one? Do I'm you, fine with that. Yeah? I think it makes sense. Okay. We don't know a lot of information about why or how the characters are getting their strength. I think we start to deal with that in season two. And like I said, I've only watched like four or five episodes of that. Okay. Season one is pretty solid. And I like the family dynamics too. You know, you've got Black Lightning uh, stepped away from being Black Lightning to help raise his daughters and be there for them. And then also 
be in his community. He's a principal of a great school, high school, making sure that the youth have everything they need to succeed and uh, is, is really putting that into practice. So it's really great to watch. But then he has to become Black Lightning again. And mm. what does that mean for the family? And what does that mean for his daughters? And are his daughters going to develop power? So it's really great. So let's wrap up our, our Arrowverse season six discussion. Mm. What do you, what was the, your favorite of this season? Which show? It might be Black Lightning, Legends, Flash. Yeah? Yeah, Supergirl, Arrow. I think that for me, every single show, first of all, Black Lightning, I couldn't stick with. I, It just was not hitting, it just wasn't hitting me the way it hit you. And I just, for it not having any relevance to the overall Arrowverse in the first couple seasons, I was like, I really feel like I can kind of do without this if I'm not really digging it. I stuck with like the first couple episodes or something uh, with it. So it's 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 not my favorite, but otherwise the rest of the shows for me, I think are neck and neck. It's I, I they they all have some ups and downs, but they're all kind of like right right there on the same level of each other. And so I, I think overall I really like season six. Are there some episodes I'd, I, I probably would skip um, over others? Absolutely. But there's a lot of great stuff in each. I think, if anything, The Thinker's probably that story is the one I like the least mm-hmm. of the other three mm. of, 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 the, of the four shows. So big fan of season six. We'll start season seven soon. Probably, probably Maybe after Christmas. Yeah, probably because we're swamped yeah. right now with trying to just trying to stay on top of all the new movies uh, coming out or the, all the 2022 movies coming out and and uh, all that sort of stuff. So uh, that is Arrowverse season six. We have one more show, one more show. We finally caught up with. Oh yes, yes. We blew through this one. Yeah, well, more or less. Yes, mm-hmm. Stranger Things. What is this, season four of Stranger Things? Yeah, I believe so. It dropped in the first half of the season, dropped in May, and then the second half of the season dropped in July. We did not experience this with the world. We just experienced it in October. Uh, So a a couple months later, what did you think of season... Oh, just to clarify, the first half went up to episode seven it was just episode eight and nine that they dropped in july how weird is that Mm, well it was much longer the runtime i believe uh that's for damn sure because episode uh nine was two and a half hours Mm -hmm. it was a whole movie Mm -hmm. so what do you think of a season four of stranger things i like the direction they were going in i like that we were exploring certain things about the world and why things were the way they were. I'm trading very lightly, yeah. Um, yeah, they go deeper, right? Yeah. Into what we've seen already. Yes. So it was more concisely shot and put together, so that's great. Everything made sense, if that helps. Because if I compare it to season two, season two was just, I don't know what they were thinking there. Season two, not it, season three. Yeah, I think season two, okay. you know, that's when we saw the other kids from the lab. 
The other kids. Oh, 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 oh! I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah we didn't complete that. We didn't right. finish that story. Yeah, but yeah, it seems like you know we tied everything up very nicely, and we're dealing with certain things. And the the lost yeah. sister, chapter seven of season two, uh, back in 2017. Can you believe it's been that long? Holy cow! Yeah, I forgot about that. I was thinking about that a lot in this season, too, though, because, like... Well, it conflicts, right? It almost feels like it retcons that episode. Which I think is rude. It's like, okay, well, the thing is, you spent a lot of time showing us that yeah. in season two, and, and yeah. I hope it's not a retcon. I don't know how it's going to make sense, yeah. but I hope it's not a retcon, because that's lazy. It is weird, because this show is so continuity rich it is yeah like it is a continuing story season mm-hmm. after season characters in this season are dealing with stuff that happened in the last season one character in particular and and uh so to retcon something that happened in this it would be unusual it would be odd it would be odd to do that so but go on you're saying well, I told my brother that we finally caught up with it. My brother was very funny about this. He was like, well, have you watched Stranger Things? Uh, I guess we've got nothing to talk about. <laughs> so, And so when you I finally, finally did. got to talk to him about it, but then I couldn't remember certain things. And he was like, do you remember this part? Do you remember this part? Did you pick up on this piece of music? And I'm oh, like, man. which piece of music? And then I was like, oh, yes. No, I did actually do that. Are you just saying that? And oh, so I man. feel like I broke his heart further. <laughs> shame but so i think you know what's interesting about this show is like if you don't watch it as it comes out i think you miss out on certain things i agree i kind of so like, i don't think we'll do that again so here's the thing like i don't know how in touch you are with like what is being posted online what the mm. culture is absorbing and all that sort of stuff because like for me during the summer I would see posts about Kate Bush's running up that hill. I would see mm. posts about Metallica, you know, and things I like that. I would see a lot of posts I'd get tagged in was always the goddamn babysitter. Right, right. <laughs> Stuff know? like that. Yeah. And I kind of do wish we experienced that with the yeah. rest of the culture, even yeah. though we were only two, three months away from everyone else. Yeah. It, 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 it just kind of felt like we were... Just slightly out of step of everyone. Yeah, and I think this was a really brilliant show. You know, what was nice about that, I think it was the second episode, there was this brilliant Dungeons and Dragons battle. And it was just... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just as glorious as a sporting event, if not better. Mm. You know, and I just love how it was shot. I love the energy everybody had. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just a beautiful display of geek leadership Hmm. um, and the ability to bring people together and even if there were slight hesitations with certain characters before what is also interesting that you bring into mind is this show kind of villainizes the mainstream oh right are you talking about the satanic panic what are you talking about well the satanic panic definitely plays a role it was great that that was included for sure yeah but this show is so much about the people on the the fringe the people Mm. who are interested in things that are not mainstream right like dungeons and dragons was not a mainstream like popular thing right and there's so much of the show that they're into or a part of 
that and, and and in fact you could argue that these characters practically exist outside of the rest of the town that they live in right like you don't see the the day-to-day goings on of everyone else in this town it's like pretty much this group of characters dealing with this shit that the town has no idea is going on right mm. and unless something catastrophic happens in the town and even then, they have no concept of what's actually going on, right? Yeah. So this show is very much a, uh, uh, and, and, and in fact, this season, you have the people who are the like the mainstream popular people. They are the villains in mm-hmm. this season, right? Mm-hmm. So it is kind of interesting. Like the pe- the people who are considered weird or freaks or or just like. Uh, people you can't trust are actually the people you can trust and and yeah. you fall in love with in this show. Yeah, the 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 villainizing. It's not really villainizing, but the true colors of over testosterone football player team uh-huh. mates toxic masculinity display was quite lovely mm-hmm. to see. Also uh, white. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was very interesting. So and, yeah, there's a lot to say about it, but also it's very spoiler heavy. So I think yes, we should stop there. Is indeed. So highly uh, recommend that one. Surprise that this thing is not getting long in the tooth. It's still sticking the landing. Big fan of Stranger Things season four, and that does it for our week in review. Shanna, before we talk about what people can expect in the next couple episodes of The Movie Lovers, share where people can find you online. You can find me on Instagram at Shanna Paxton Photography or on Flickchart, Spellbinding A. Jeff, why don't you go ahead and tell us the many ways that we can reach out to you? Well, first of all, (laughs) email us if you have any opinions about any of these shows that we talked about. In this episode, the Gibson Review at gmail.com, and then head on over to the Gibson Review.com where you will find not only these episodes, but you will also find a lot of other content on there articles, uh, feature articles, reviews, lists, all sorts of stuff. You will find at the Gibson Review.com. Follow on social media, Facebook dot com slash the gibson review instagram the gibson 99 i do bracket polls there occasionally we did your favorite horror movie in honor of the last film faves that we had uh well not the last one that was the last episode but a couple film faves ago your favorite horror film was 1980s the shining beat out 1975's jaws Soon, if not by now, we will be doing your favorite 1999 movie. So go on there, have fun. And I'm also on Flickchart occasionally, every once in a while. It's been a while. <laughs> the Gibson 99. Okay, so next couple episodes, what we have going on. Our next episode, we will review She Said. Look for that on Tuesday, November 29th, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, all right? And then our film phase, in honor of that, will be our favorite journalism movies. Look for that 
on Tuesday, December 6th. Okay? That's what's coming up on The Movie Lovers. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying... Bye-bye.